Hello and welcome to the 20 Minutes of Filler Podcast. I am your host, Jason Gitarski, and you are listening to episode 87. And here I have two friends to bring you joy in the form of small box games or conversation about those small box games. So uh, let's just uh, do some introductions. All right, well, I'm Jake. I've been on the podcast before, and um, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Um, and to, uh, the other side of you is, uh, a game designer and local friend. Hi, my name is, uh, Jonathan Chaffer. I am the, uh, designer of, uh, Stroop, which is a, uh, game that is published by Grand Gamers Guild, and I am working with your wonderful host, Jason Katarski, on an upcoming title. Yeah, we're gonna dig more into that in a little bit, but first, um... I'm just, I just want to say I'm glad to have you guys here. I'm glad to get to hang out and talk games and play games uh, in my own city and not just over the internet. So, uh, you know, thank you for being from the same locale. Um, so let's just go around and talk about what are some, some kind of filler games uh, you've been playing. Uh, if you haven't been playing any filler games, then tell me a game that is bigger than that that you want to talk about that I can shame for being too big and long. <laughs> so, uh, Jake, what, do you, what have you been playing, buddy? Uh, I've been playing, um, I just recently got a copy of Rhino Hero. Oh, um, fantastic. I've been bringing that to youth group, and that's been real fun. Um, you know, you're basically building a house of cards and moving a meeple up higher and higher and trying to get somebody else to knock over the tower, and that's been real fun, and the, the kids are um, purposely trying to put each other in situations that they can't get out of. I've, I've seen many people maliciously... Uh, place those cards, so that's been fun. And then I've uh, been playing Quarriers uh, as well, which is a uh, dice-building game, well, a bag-building game, I guess, where you're um, just like any kind of deck-building game, except you have dice instead of cards that you're um, acquiring new ones every turn and just trying to score the most points with what you pull out of the bag. Yeah, I feel like when uh, the Dice Master system came out... That kind of took some of the shine off of Quarriers, but I think Quarriers is a very, very good system. Yeah, yeah, and, and I and you and it's expandable as well. But like, I do without love being that, collectible. Yes, yeah. yes, and I, that's the thing I love is that like uh, you could get the whole thing in the main box and have so much to work with uh, without having to go out and buy those packs. And, and it even seems that now the Dice Masters is certainly started to kind of die off in its popularity, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it has its audience, but it's not, like, the thing that people are talking about anymore. So, uh, yeah, such as collectible card games go, or collectible dice games, or whatever the collectible, whatever happens, you know, ebb and flow. Um, I've been playing, uh, I've been playing Monster Cafe with my kids. It's a game right game, and it's this, uh, it's, if you play Coloretto, it is very similar to Coloretto. All right. So you have these you have these tables that are sitting out, and each table is like a plate of something gross, like eyeball spaghetti, spaghetti and eyeballs. I guess is the appropriate <laughs> way to say that, or like stinky sock stew. And then there's a deck of cards that are monsters that only like certain types of weird, gross food. So there's the the there's like toenail, uh, the toenail eater who only eats whatever dish has toenails in it. So, like, you have these, you bring out tables, one for each player, and then on a player's turn, they can draw and seat a monster at any one of the tables, and, or they can choose to take a table, 
and all the monsters that have been seeded and add them to their collection. So it's about, like, do I want to keep going and add more things out there, but am I going to make it too good for somebody else to choose? Um, and then at the end of the game, you can only... You feed the monsters. They get one point per monster if they have the table... If you've collected the table that they want of the meal they want. And you lose a point for any monster that goes unfed. And if I had, like, two tables of uh, dust bunny cake... Dust bunny cake? Um, and a bunch of dust bunnies, then I would get two points for each dust bunny. So, um, it's this kind of neat, like, kind of pressure luck. Like, how far do I want to go? What do I want to, like, pull together? Uh, it has, it has a little random card in it, too. Apparently, the only thing the monsters are afraid of is lemon sorbet. Of course. So, if that comes out, you have to get rid of your <laughs> smallest set of monsters. Um, which, which makes it kind of a, a nice leveling, uh, kind of mechanic to, like, make it so everybody still has a chance. And my, the last game we played, my, my almost nine-year-old ended up with zero points because she it was just a wash. She had so many monsters unfed that it took away all her points. I had uh, four points, and my five-year-old, who was just being the most random person ever, like ended up with six and won the game. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it's it's a, it's a cute game. Um, and I think that the randomness would make it like make you choose your audience. Like, if you were going to play with gamers, you'd probably play Colorado, which is a very similar concept, but just a little more strategic, uh, and then a little bit more random. And, the, like, the art, you know, appeals to the kind of younger you know, family audience, kids audience. But it comes in one of those tins, like Sushi Go, so it's a cute little game rec game. Definitely worth worth checking out. What about you? Well, I've been... It's, this is a tough question, because I play so many fillers, it's hard to narrow it down. <laughs> uh, we've been playing quite a bit of Magic Maze recently, which I know you've... Uh, talked about on a recent episode, I think, um, which is a cooperative game where all the players are trying to get four heroes to their designated stores in a mall, and they're all going to steal the object of their desire and try to race toward the uh, toward their appropriate exits, and you're doing this all in real time without turns, without talking to one another, and everyone has a different job that they have to do, like one person is the only person who can move north, and another person is the only person who can move east. And so it leads to a lot of very fun frustration. Um, so that's been coming to the table a lot. We've been working through scenarios, and I actually just used that as a uh, team-building exercise at work, and it worked extremely well for that. There's a lot of good lessons you can learn there about teamwork and communication and, and what breaks down when you don't have communication. Um, Slightly more offbeat thing. Been playing, been trying to play as much as I can, and it's sometimes hard to get it to the table. It's, it's Witness. Do you know Witness? It's a game from a few years back. Um, I don't think so. It's another cooperative game. This, but this one is for exactly four players, which is one of the constraints <laughs> in getting it. But it only takes about ten to fifteen minutes to play, and it's a uh, uh, mystery solving game. So it's a a big book of mysteries, if you think of something like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective or something like that, where you have specific scenarios you're trying to answer questions about. Um, but they're quite short, and what makes the game different and interesting is it is a mystery-solving game mashed up with the game of telephone. Ah. So, four <laughs> players, each of which get a scenario and one clue. And then you play the game of telephone, whispering that to a person on one side, 
until everyone has theoretically heard all of the information come all the way around the table, but inevitably with some garbling involved. And then you're presented with three questions that you have to solve. And it does a wonderful job of making the game interesting because of that loss of information, but also that that's not the whole game, because even if you get all of the information, the questions require some logic deduction or just um, a little bit of uh, um, lateral thinking to actually come up with the answers sometimes. So that sounds, that sounds really good. awesome. Who, do you know who publishes that one? Um, I think it's probably someone who now is owned by Asmodee. It's, um, <laughs> it's a European company. I know it's a European design. Um, the only real downside, apart from the player count, I've found is that it is themed after a comic book series called Blake and Mortimer that um, I assume is more well-known in the host country, because it's an older one, maybe uh, from the 60s. I, I feel like it has some relation to Tintin. Oh, okay. It's kind of that style, and I think there was a, it was kind of a pulp series of detective novels, but a lot of these cases make reference to the characters, and they don't provide any context, so if you're not familiar with them, it doesn't always make sense why things are happening, and... It being something from the 60s, there are some things that feel um, culturally appropriative, maybe, is the way to say it, when they go sure. to India and, or, or or wherever, or they are looking in a pyramid in Egypt, of course they find a local who is someone straight out of a 60s TV show or radio show, and it's a little cringy um, in those regards, but I can overlook it because it's very period- yeah, yeah, and the, and the gameplay is is the highlight. And the like. gameplay has nothing to do with that, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, cool. Those sound like some good things to to check out for sure. I haven't played Magic Maze either. I know that it was it was nominated, I think, yes. right for a Steel de Jar. Yes, yeah. it was it was up there. Cool, that's awesome. Well, I want to get into uh, like your story a little bit more, Jonathan. Um, who? For you listeners out there, you may have uh, heard me on the podcast before call him Jonathan Schaefer, but uh, that would be incorrect. <laughs> so it's, it's technically yeah. I, tend, I tend not to correct people. Yeah, yeah, it, so, it is Schaefer. So in the past, it's, it was Schaefer, but we're talking to actually Jonathan Schaefer. So, um, so you uh, are a game designer, and how, how did that journey kind of unfold for you? How did you get into that? It's it's tough when anyone asks you say, when did you start playing games? That's a hard question, because what do you mean by that? So I've been, you know, playing and designing since I was very, very, very young, but of course, those weren't games per se. (laughs) That was just drawing on a board and rolling some dice and seeing what happened. Um, I think I probably got serious about really thinking about what makes a good game and what I could do probably in uh, probably in the late 90s early 2000s and that was in the sense of of kind of house rules mm. which I which is design and and a lot of people do that and they don't really think about that but if you really think we play this game all the time but we'd really be better if we just took those lose a turn cards out of the deck something like that that's that's game design and so that's where it's definitely started for me, and um, probably 2005 or so is when I was really 
making things whole cloth and thinking about, will I show these to someone other than my friends someday? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, but then, uh, then eventually discovered Protospiel, which is where uh, you and I met. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really the catalyst for me thinking that I could actually sit down and try to do this for real. Yeah, those events kind of show you, like, all these other people are just normal human beings. And it's a small-ish community where, like, access to people who have experience and are making things happen, like, is is readily available. Like, in a way that maybe you don't know, like, when you're standing on the outside. So, And, and broadly speaking, a pretty welcoming community because yeah. everyone wants playtesters. And if you're willing <laughs> to be generous with your time, it's easy to get to know people through that avenue. For sure. So your first, uh, your first published game came out this last year. Yes. Right, and that is called Stroop. Yep, it's a um, game that was one of the easiest to, to design and has been kind of on the shelf for years and then finally found the right, the right publisher and the right market. Um, it is a uh, speed perception game based on the Stroop effect, which is a psychological effect where it is hard for your brain to reconcile two discordant pieces of information, like the color that letters are written in and the color that the word actually says. So I basically married that to the speed gameplay of games like Spot It or 789 or or any of those, and um, then it was just a matter of iteration and figuring out the right mix of cards and the right mix of rules to make it to make it fun. Yeah, and it, it is fun. I, I am terrible at it, uh, <laughs> but I have laughed at myself nearly every time I've I've played the game. So, and that one was published uh, by another local publisher, so um, uh, Grand Gamers Guild, Mark Spector's company. And uh, yeah, it's it's out in the world, so it's definitely a game worth checking out because I think it works with a wide variety of people. It's, it, I mean, it is a really good filler that you can learn in five minutes, and you will give people an experience that. Um, brings laughter and frustration, and it packs it all into into a, you know, a quick a quick uh, ex- a quick time period, a quick space. So uh, definitely a game worth checking out. Um, so let's talk about the new game that we're doing together for a moment. We won't eat up the whole podcast talking about Green Couch Games, but um, this game is called Filler. So um, so did you create this game specifically? For me, knowing that I came to you, so like you, you're also one of the people that guides behind uh, guides uh, the the Grand Rapids Unpublished Board Game Society. That's right, Grubs. Yes, um, who meets uh, a couple times a month at a local game shop, and there's there's game designers and playtesters, and it's a really great community. It was one of my first uh, when I moved here a couple of years ago. One of the first groups of people that I really got connected with. So. Um, so I was coming to this group, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, have I got a game for you? It's 20 minutes. It's called Filler. And the joke there is that you're filling pastries, and it's a filler game. So uh, how much of that, like, was that the seed of, like, the idea? Like, how, how, where did this come from? Um, ideas come from lots of different places, but for me, usually, um, I keep a notebook of ideas, and I have a page where I will write down mechanisms that are interesting to me that I want to explore, and I have a separate place where I write down theme ideas. Sometimes that's as little as a title, sometimes that's a feeling I want to get across, um, 
and then I try to figure out interesting marriages of those two things. So this is one of those cases. So the the name pun came to me randomly one day when I was playing a filler game and thinking about that name, and then um, I had this mechanism that I wanted to explore further, and it just seemed to be a good a good fit for a short game that would be a filler, and therefore um, I wanted to to um, see if I could make those work well together. The, the mechanism actually, strangely, comes from a game that is all about copying mechanisms from other games uh, called Copycat, <laughs> which is um, a Freedom and Freeze game. Um, I think it was called... It's called something that translates roughly to Strange Bedfellows in German. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't completely understand the theme. It's political in, in nature. But I really love that game. And it was all about matching together uh, the deck building from Dominion, the uh, card row from Through the Ages, I think, the um, the worker placement from Agricola, and all these are very explicit. Like, they use exactly the same number of worker placement spaces as Agricola, and they come out <laughs> in the same way. The score track is stolen exactly from the first edition of Ticket to Ride, which had a misprint on its score track, and it has the same misprint on this game, where the <laughs> numbers are in the wrong order in one place. Um, so the whole game is based around the idea, but there's this one bit that I don't know came explicitly from any other game, and I would love to be corrected if that's not right, but um, it has this idea where you have a hand of cards but you can't use all of them. And one of them is going to determine your turn order. And turn order is very important. But the turn order on those cards is tied to how good the cards are. So you have to make a decision every round in that game of what to sacrifice. How much do you sacrifice to go first? Mm -hmm. um, that idea is present in lots of other games, um, but not quite implemented in that way. And I was very intrigued by the idea of a hand of cards and deciding what to give up. So that's that was the seed mechanically for filler. Awesome. Yeah, it's um, it's a I loved it. Like you, I, I mean, if you weren't designing it for Green Couch Games, like you hit all the right buttons. So <laughs> uh, it's it's a small game. It plays one to five players. Um, it's just cards, multi-use cards. And those cards are different things. They're the time you show up for work. They're the ingredients you use to like fill recipes. And uh, those recipes, uh, cards that you—they're also the points. So you're building this hand. It's cycling through. You're you're choosing when to use those cards. It just has a lot of really really good stuff. And then we were able to get uh, Claire Donaldson on board to do the art, who did um, Gonuts for Donuts and the and the most recent uh, Best Treehouse Ever Forest of Fun uh, Rooms were were illustrated by her. So. Uh, and it, and it doesn't feel like either of those games in, in their look. Like, it's more of an elegant. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, like, I love the way it's coming together. The look is very consciously, though not legal, well, legally distinct from um, the uh, Great British Bake Off. Yeah, like, you're totally, like, that's a new show to me and my family, but we love it. Like, right now, like, we're, we're pretty invested. And it's, like, it does have that feel of, like, it's not this American cooking show where people are mean. It's like they all hug each other when things don't turn out. And it's exactly. like the sweetest show about making these sweet treats. And and we're trying to... Uh, she's doing a great job of bringing across the elegance, but still warmth. Yeah. Not standoffish elegance. Yeah. So you'll see more of that coming out, the artwork coming out in the next few weeks. Because we're going to be launching this on Kickstarter on April 11th, if all goes as planned. Uh, and it'll be in a standard, you know, green couch small box. 
Um, we hope you will definitely, definitely check that out. Um, so, before we wrap up here, we thought it would be fun because your game, Stroop, uh, takes people's brains and flips them on their ends in uh, under time pressure. We're going to go ahead and uh, do a lightning round with you, Jonathan. <laughs> yes! We're going to use that that's, theme, that sound for all of our lightning rounds from here on out. That's my best Jeff Engelstein impression <laughs> for people who listen to Ludology. <laughs> nice. Alright, so Jake has prepared some uh, some questions for you. Just answer them off the cuff. First thing that comes to your mind. And there are no right answers, but you will lose this game. Just because I lose Stroop. I'm just right. going to call you the loser from the beginning. It's the only way I can get even. Alright, okay. here we go. If you could design a game licensing any property, what would it be? Woof. Okay, so I'm not going to do the easy thing and wish that this was actually Great British Bake Off <laughs> licensed. Thank you. Um, That's not in the budget. <laughs> <laughs> um Gosh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, the the first property that comes to mind is not probably the one I'd pick. If it, actually, if I had the choice, it would be Doctor Who because I think all the licensed products have really fallen short. There is a fan made print and play game called The Twelve Doctors that is fantastic, but all of the actual licensed ones have have uh, not captured yeah. that. Um, let's see licenses that we've been that I've been uh, looking at recently. Um, I think, and again, this is one that I can't pick because I think it's being done. Um, That's okay. It's in your dream world. I think it would be great to have a fantastic Dark Crystal-themed game. But but of, uh, of recent things, I think that there would be some interesting... Uh, territory to be mined in the show The Good Place oh. that is on right now. Yeah, yeah. Which a is a show. comedy, but has a whole lot of actual cliffhangery drama moments, and I could imagine a game where you are in heaven or a heaven alternative, but you're not supposed to be there, and you're trying to stay under the radar as a theme. Ooh, and what if, and like, what if new things that you enter in, like, change the rules of like oh, how things, like they cascades into chaos. For people who, I mean, this is a show that it's really hard for me to sell to people because it is spoilerific yeah, to yeah. you. Yeah. So I don't want to say much, but you could get a legacy game out of that. Oh, for sure. Where you really play it one way and as the plot progresses new elements come into play. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> if you could work with any designer, who would that be? Oh man, I think, um, gosh, if, I think, I think it would probably end up being Reiner Knizia. Mm-hmm. He's, um, a lot of his games tend toward the dry, but I feel like he would, um, end up being, he would do the hard part for me. His math is so good <laughs> that I wouldn't have to worry Same. about balance at all and could just say, Let's let's figure out what the probabilities are, and he'd say okay, and come right back with the answer. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right. Would you rather have all your shirts made of baloney, or have your hair change color and fall out every autumn? Oh, absolutely. Number <laughs> number two. There's, there's no question. <laughs> all right. Hair is just dead skin. <laughs> yeah. And finally, what's your favorite pastry feel- filling? Ooh, my favorite pastry filling has got to be. 
um, lemon. I like a lemon curd. Oh, yeah. In a pastry. Oh, I like a good lemon curd scone situation. I've experienced that in London, England, and there's not really a better place to experience lemon curd and scones. So you passed the test. You still lost, because I'm the winner. All right, I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, where can people track you down if they want to interact with you in the future, Jonathan? Absolutely. I am not... Uh... Very active on social media from a posting perspective, but I but I do uh, I do take um, people's feedback, and um, you can find me on Twitter at Uncle John Bob J O N B O B, um, <laughs> which is what uh, my nieces and nephews used to call me, um, and uh, you know on Facebook and hereabouts um, on Facebook look for the Grand Rapids Unpublished Board Game. Society Grubs, and if you want to, uh, if you're in the Grand Rapids area and you want to swing by Out of the Box, which is a fantastic game store in the area, and hang out with us and play some games you might see on the shelves in the future, we really welcome that. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with us today. Um, looking forward to continuing to see. I know you've got other cool prototypes that are in the works, so it's always fun to to uh, see those local designers have those victories when they find the right home for their game. So I'm looking forward to seeing your uh, career progress <laughs> and that I get to be a part of that with, with Filler. Uh, so thanks for, for chatting with us today. All right, thank you. Hey, Jake, where can uh, people find you if they want to? Uh, people can connect with me on roundtablereview.net. Awesome. And you can find me at Jason Katarski on Twitter or at Green Couch Games on Twitter, uh, at Green Couch Games on Instagram, where I post lots of random things unrelated to board games most of the time. Um, but also you can uh, join our Facebook group, the 20 Minutes of Filler uh, podcast group on Facebook, where we give away games and uh, have uh, some discussions. It's been a little quiet over there, so if you're listening, please uh, post all your filler love in the in the Facebook group, and I will try to reward you by giving something away that you will want, because free things seem to motivate people in this world that we live in. Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, get out there and play some great little games. <laughs>